The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And welcome to this, another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris. It is the end of week two, heading into week three. That means this man has barely slept over the last few days because what a weekend it has been for the waiver column. John Daigle, how you feeling? It was a disaster in week two, as I'm sure you are aware. There are a number of injuries to get to. Uh, the drop list, even though we're about to talk about a few players, includes fewer names than last week because we are sort of forced now to hold on to the players we would otherwise drop because there have been so many injuries and so many questionable situations that we're actually waiting on, right? So right. Tuesday waivers, that's how it goes. It's how it runs. But we're going to have to try and be intelligent and ahead of the pack here because there were still a lot of uncertain situations. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That's John Daigle's advice to all of you. Try to be intelligent. Uh, also, I mentioned that heading into week two from week one was the most important waiver period of the year. Daigle, it might be this week. It might be this week. You mentioned that the drop list is going to shift a little bit this year. Hopefully, your leagues thought ahead, and because of the boomerang IR of just three weeks this year, you add another IR spot to your leagues. Instead of a drop list, I'm going to list an injured group that just happened on Sunday, and you can add on to it at the end, Dago, if I missed anyone, or if there is a name or two that you think we should drop. All right, here's the long, long list. Saquon Barkley, out for the year. Cortland Sutton, out for the year. Paris Campbell, out indefinitely. Chris McCaffrey, out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Jimmy Garoppolo, considered week to week. Tevin Coleman, out four to six weeks. Raheem Mostert, considered week to week. Drew Locke, out two to six weeks. Who did I miss, Dago? I think that's a pretty good wrap-up of the skill position players that matter to us for fantasy football. I think that's good. And some of the players outside of the ones who are out for the season that you could drop, Tevin Coleman, for instance, uh, like you said, out four to six weeks. And even when he's touched the ball for this Niners offense, right now, if you can believe it, 18 carries for 1.6 yards per attempt, zero scores. You're not missing anything and dropping him. Same goes for Drew Locke. We know we can stream quarterbacks weekly. So if you have these players, even in a deep league, I'm fine shedding them. And I mean, there are other names that we're still waiting on information on, right? The likes of Devontae Adams, the likes of Sammy Watkins, who had a head injury. Will Fuller missed 
well, it seemed like he was hobbled for most of the game. Let's put it that way. Sterling mm-hmm. Shepard has turf toe. I could keep going on and on the list. And, you know, there's offensive line, trickle down, defensive line, trickle down, so on and so forth. Again, the best place to go to get all of that is John Daigle's waiver column. But we do have a show to record, John Daigle. Let's jump into it. Let's start off with Joshua Kelly, the rookie running back with the Los Angeles Chargers, available in 61% of Yahoo League's out there and he is absolutely splitting this backfield so far with Austin Eckler. He's getting a majority of the carries is what's actually happening here. And although we are concerned about the Chargers situation under center, whether it's Tyrod or Justin Herbert in week three, it does not matter against the Panthers rushing defense that has already allowed multiple touchdowns in the first two games dating back to going last year and also allowing multiple touchdowns and over 100 yards to running backs, allowing last year in particular the most yards per carry, the most rushing yards, the most rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs. And here now we have Joshua Kelly, who is fresh off 23 carries in week two against the Chiefs. So even if it's Austin Eckler spiking more production because he's being used more in the passing game, Joshua Kelly in this what should be a simple matchup with the Chargers Uh, It's easily a 20-touch floor, and then you're hoping he spikes two rushing touchdowns, having the roll inside of the 10 to himself as well. 20-touch floor is – that's extreme, Daigle. I mean, we don't toss those types of numbers around lightly, but I understand it because Joshua Kelly so far is truly getting this Melvin Gordon role, isn't he? And, you know, Austin Eckler has been great so far. I know he didn't get a lot of passes out of the backfield in week one. That has changed with Justin Herbert. And I think the ceilings for both players changes if Justin Herbert is the starter, especially this week against the Panthers. But what Joshua Kelly does is he is that straight ahead, north-south runner, one cut, get up the field with some patience and runs with some power. And it seems like he's the favorite player inside the five-yard line so far. What is there not to love? As you said, six carries inside of the 10-yard line right now. He is their goal line bruiser. So, yes, we do believe he can actually fall in no matter how many carries he has for 60 yards and a couple touchdowns here. While a lot of people had bad weeks in week two, John Daigle, there was a part of you, a part of you (laughs) that had a wonderful Sunday. And that's because Darrell Henderson got the bulk of the backfield work for the Los Angeles Rams and looked very good, very explosive, not just in the running game, but also in the passing game. But Daigle, I know he's available in 67% of Yahoo leagues out there. My question to you is this, how much can we expect to know about the usage of this backfield after we basically just said the exact same thing of Malcolm Brown in week one? So to be fair, Dar- uh, Malcolm Brown actually injured his finger in the final quarter and Cam Akers left in the first quarter. And so that's why... Daryl Henderson received 14 touches and as he always does broke five tackles on just 14 touches because he remains one of the most elusive backs in the entire league. But in this particular situation, we have a collision of two offenses that are humming along now. Through two games, the Bills and Rams have averaged the seventh and eighth most yards per play. So no matter what, even if Malcolm Brown returns for this one. And again, both are questionable at this time. We haven't received a port a report just yet. I think there's enough volume here for Daryl Henderson to at least see the, a similar workload. And in a up-tempo matchup with us likely missing running backs, I think Henderson is a fine start for week three. Hmm. And again, these players need to be 
available in over 50% of Yahoo leagues out there in order to qualify for John Daigle's list. He'll list a few at the top on his column that if they're available in your league, you need to prioritize them. But let's continue on with the names that you gave me. And the next one is Jarek McKinnon, obviously now most likely the starting running back for the San Francisco 49ers available in 76% of Yahoo leagues. I mean, Daigle, the New York Jets was a great matchup for Raheem Mostert. He showed it on that first play of the game, an 80 yard touchdown run. He also had another long touchdown called back due to penalty. We've seen Jarek McKinnon be utilized in specific situations in week one and week two, and most likely in the passing game. Do you think that there is some feature back workload ahead on the ground as well? Again, without Mostert and without Tevin Coleman available this week. What's funny is that I don't think there's a feature back workload in McKinnon's future, but it doesn't matter because even if he gets out touched by their remaining backs, Jeff Wilson in particular, who I'll talk about in one second, uh, Jared McKinnon remains the most explosive in that backfield. And there will still be more than enough touches to go around because as we know, Shanahan prefers to use a three headed committee. Uh, McKinnon only has six carries through two games right now, but even then six carries for 101 yards at 16.8 yards per attempt. He has two touchdowns on the season because he's also received six targets as their primary third down option. So what I think we're going to get here are fewer carries than people perceive. Like I would say eight to 12 with Hmm. still six targets in his range of outcomes. And so that's what I want to buy into since he is healthy, since he's still explosive and he's still in a easy matchup against the Giants front seven. Talk to me about Jeff Wilson now. I'm going to force you to because Jeff Wilson is a player who last year, when he was a part of the backfield with Matt Breed and Tevin Coleman, was mainly used as the goal line back. And, I mean, it's typically when we look at waivers, we also have to look at coach speak. We have to look at usage, right? Well, all offseason, they've talked to Jared McKinnon as a part of this offense, and we've seen that so far for the first two weeks. We also can look in Kyle Shanahan's history and say, oh, when Jeff Wilson's out there, he's the one scoring touchdowns in this backfield. To your point, 13 red zone touches and eight carries inside of the 10 for four touchdowns. And the only two games Jeff Wilson played ahead of Tevin Coleman when Coleman was injured at the beginning of last year. I don't know. Like, I guess if I had to pick right now, I do think Wilson will split carries down the middle with McKinnon, if not lead him. But we also know Wilson is not as explosive as McKinnon. That's why I'm leading towards the latter. Uh, having said that, when they get into red zone territory, this will likely be Wilson's role. And so in deeper leagues, I do think he will be worth adding. Let's go to the Panthers backfield. Mike Davis available 94% of Yahoo leagues out there. Again, we know that Chris McCaffrey is out four to six weeks as of now. That's the prognosis, but you know, he's taking on as a challenge and wants to come back sooner. Well, in his absence after scoring two touchdowns, Mike Davis didn't do as much damage on the ground, but he did it in the air, Daigle, which is something that we love to see, right? I think he caught all eight of his targets and was featured in that area of the game. But, you know, Reggie Bonifon might come in. You know, this isn't a situation where they're most likely going to lean on one back. How do you see the future unfolding here in the next two to four to six weeks with Mike Davis? So Mike Davis, even if they do bring Reggie Bonifon back, uh, it's still going to be their 
primary pass catching back. And that's why I still prefer him over Bonifon. I would pick him up and flex him weekly because we know this team at being 0-2 is just outright bad and they can't play defense. And so if they are constantly going to be behind and Teddy Bridgewater will still have a low average depth of target weekly, then that's going to lend itself to Mike Davis as a weekly option. And so that's why I like him immediately as the pass catching back there. Hmm. And look, I'm not advocating for starting Curtis Samuel, but we saw at times last year, Scott Turner move uh, Curtis Samuel in the backfield. We know he has that history in the backfield as well. Again, I'm not even expecting five carries, 10 carries, but you know, one or two or three or four touches of the backfield for Curtis Samuel, I think is something would be that we nice. can expect as well. It would be nice. Imagine getting the ball in a playmaker's hands. Imagine that. All right. Speaking of playmakers, there aren't many in the backfield so far. In Miami, although his yards per carry was high this week, and Miles Gaskin is kind of working as the lead ball carrier. I'm not sure if we want the lead ball carrier on the Miami Dolphins, but Daigle, he's available in 89% of Yahoo leagues right now. We discussed this on the recap show, but it bears repeating that OC Changeli actually came out midweek and said that Miles Gaskin was featured only because he was the spread offense back for Miami, what they used a lot of in week one. However, Gaskin's role didn't change in week two. Uh, he's still he's still now for the past two weeks has played 63 and 65 percent of Miami snaps and has seen at least four targets in both games. Like he's the player we can pin to get 12 to 15 touches weekly, no matter how much or little, I should say, Matt Breida and Jordan Howard are sprinkled in behind him. So Gaskin in a terrific matchup now against mm-hmm. the Jaguars, like it's the one time we can confidently pick a player from this backfield and just roll him out immediately. You mentioned the recap pod. I urge you all to go back and listen to that, especially this week. It, it kind of looks at and focuses on the little details that you might have missed when not watching these games, especially for these players that we're talking about today who entered the lineup. I also want to point you to our premium products at rotoworld.com slash edge. We have this great feature called League Sync. It works for Yahoo right now. We can type in your league, your password, all that kind of stuff. And it links all the information to your league in our premium products. And it has a free agent finder. So it can, along with, you know, John Daigle's recommendations, it can also tell you who it believes are the best free agents out there. Again, that's rotoworld.com slash edge, four bucks a month, the price of guacamole. Okay. More injuries that impacted here was Saquon Barkley and the New York Jets, Giants, excuse me going down for the remainder of the year. We saw Deion Lewis be brought in this offseason. We saw Deion Lewis work as the lead ball carrier after Saquon went down. But I've also been some blurbs afloat this summer, Daigle, that it might be Wayne Gallman because of size, yada, 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 be the one who sees more work than Deion Lewis in this backfield. Yeah, Deion Lewis was in on 57 of 65 snaps for Barkley once Barkley exited. But the kicker is Gallman was actually inactive for this game. And so if we can expect Gallman to be active now, uh, ESPN's Jordan Ronan, who is one of the bigger insiders for the Giants and does not play favorites and also caters to the fantasy community and writes fantasy columns during the week and in the offseason in particular, uh, he did suggest that it would be Gallman if Barkley ever went down, which is now the case. The other issue is that Devontae Freeman, veteran free agent, is now Mm. lurking out there and actually worked out for the Giants Monday afternoon. And so in the column, you will see I'm actually picking Freeman over Gallman and Deion Lewis. Wow. And then (laughs) 
<laughs> and then I'm going Wayne Gallman second because knowing already knowing Joe Judge's history and knowing how he runs his team, of course he's going to pick the wily, gritty veteran over Wayne Gallman, who God. he's been healthy scratching. So I'm going Freeman, and Freeman has other outs because he could sign elsewhere, right? So even if he didn't sign with New York, it wouldn't necessarily be Freeman is suddenly not valuable on your bench. Uh, but Wayne Gallman will be up there as well. It seems like... Devontae Freeman has had opportunities to sign, but he's just holding out for the right price in order to do it. Like, I think he's worked out for the Eagles or they've shown interest and maybe a few other teams. Maybe the Giants feel forced to pay it. Um, and they have money, obviously, with some opt-outs. They they certainly have some money. And poor Deion Lewis. I mean, when Matt LaFour left him, just everyone, no one, no one believes anymore. I think Deion Lewis is a good football player, but I'm not sure if I want anyone in this and- Giants backfield. And who knows, as I say, and who knows, right? Like maybe it is Deion Lewis, but either way, we have three heads, not just two. We are going right. to have to bet on. So uh, I have to take a stance. And I mean, it's not just this year that Saquon has been stuffed behind the line of scrimmage constantly. He just is the type of talent that can break one 70 yard run and make it look good, right? On the yards per carry average. Mm-hmm. None of these three running backs can do that. Nope. All right. Let's shift it over to wide receiver. That's a lot of running backs. Again, you can see the order that John Daigle suggests you pick them up in his column. It's up in the site on Tuesday morning. Miko Hardman. We talked about it this offseason. You know, if Miko Hardman gets his chance, Miko Hardman has the talent, the explosiveness to be a spiked week type player. He wasn't getting that chance with Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and a few other names involved, but Sammy Watkins now has a head injury most likely a concussion that almost certainly puts him out for a week. And therefore Miko Hardman at 64% available in Yahoo leagues is a consideration. Daigle. Sammy Watkins has an extra 24 hours to get right. Since the Ravens play the chiefs in the showdown to the century on Monday night this week. But we saw what happened. Sammy Watkins exits in the fourth quarter. Miko Hardman comes in immediately on the ensuing play, records a 22-yard catch. He gets three targets throughout the rest of the game, overtime included, and scores on a two-point conversion that everyone needs to go watch that throw from Patrick Mahomes because mm-hmm. it was, again, another no-look in between three different defenders that even the cameras got lost in because they couldn't believe he made the throw. Miko uh, Hardman, when he's on the field, we know is explosive. And if he has this opportunity over Watkins again we won't know so it's something you'll have to decide if you would like to bet on then we know also he could be a fringe wide receiver one like outscoring Tyreek Hill is in his weekly range of outcomes all right we will move on the Vishka Chenault is another name John Daigle I don't even know what Vishka did in week two I know in week one he was kind of used like Muhammad Sanu did some fun stuff uh, in the middle of the field some wildcat plays as well. I know he's still out there in 83% of leagues. The four targets per game may not be going anywhere because as we've seen, Jay Gruden's offense is spreading the ball around. Hence why DJ Shark has a lowly 10% target share on the season. It's not like he's playing bad, right? He's caught all seven of his targets, but it's shallow. It's fast paced and quick. And it's spreading around to Keelan Cole, Shark, and LaVisca Chenault. Chenault actually two carries in week one, and they upped it in week two. He had five carries in the backfield, and that includes also his four targets to go along with it. So it's possible this man moving forward sees nine to 12 touches weekly if he's going to keep being used in that role. And that at the very least gives us a weekly high floor that we can chase 
in particular in this matchup now against the Dolphins. All right, let's go to deep cuts. Any names you want to call out? I'll throw out one. Yeah. Look, I know Drew Locke is out for a while, and it's not like Jeff Driscoll is going to set the world on fire with his arm. But if this team is looking for a downfield threat, and it certainly seems like so far the Broncos are using Jerry Judy in the short and intermediate game, K.J. Hamler stepped in immediately after missing week one. K.J. Hamler most likely had a, a large air yard share as well, high snap share, and it was one of the better vertical receivers in this past draft class with some blazing, blazing speed. Um, he's intriguing to me here in the deep cut section, Daigle. I completely agree, and that's why I have him written down as well. Uh, Jeff Driscoll came off the bench and actually finished with the third most attempts 20-plus yards downfield in mm -hmm. the interim. Now, here's the thing. The Broncos play the Bucks this upcoming week, so you're likely going to want to run to your waiver wires and get the Bucks defense. But after this week, the Bucks play the Jets, and so that's a situation where we can roll out both Jeff Driscoll and K.J. Hamler in confidently. So I like both of those players, perhaps not this week, but looking forward two weeks from now. Uh, another one, Let's. we talked about Miles Boykin again on the review show, but just to reiterate, 40 and 48 snaps the past two games. No one realizes how much he's playing. Uh, four targets in both games. But we know the Ravens in week one benched in the final quarter, and this past week had 37 carries because the Texans weren't just, they just weren't stopping the run. So the situation has not been there for Boykin to explode just yet. I think it could happen Monday night. A couple more, though, and stop me if you want to input on any of these. Keep Van going. Je Van Jefferson. On the season so far, Robert Woods has run 60 routes. Cooper Cup has run 59 routes. We would assume it's Josh Reynolds playing the third role. But what's happening here is that they're sprinkling Van Jefferson in. Reynolds has run 35 routes to Van Jefferson's 32. And Jefferson has played like he's played great in getting his seven targets. He even looks the part on the field because he's already like one of the best young route runners in the league. So I like Van Jefferson just stashing him ahead of the pack because this Rams offense is also one that is just playing without missing a beat. They're one of the best offenses in the entire league right now. Too early for Chase Claypool? Chase Claypool is an interesting one, just a 6% target share, but it doesn't matter when you can catch an 84-yard touchdown weekly. So I wouldn't say too early. My issue with the Steelers, as you have talked about in the past, is that there are too many mouths to feed. Yeah. Uh, that's why Eric Ebron's struggling, not because of his performance, is because so many players are involved. And that's still with Deontay Johnson accruing a 31% target share and yet falling behind Juju Smith-Schuster and actual fantasy points on the year. So I just think there are too many mouths to feed, although in deeper leagues, I wouldn't mind stashing them. Of course, we want to stash athletic players. Uh, your boy, Brandon Ayuk, I don't know if you saw his usage this past week. We were worried about him coming off the hamstring injury, but in this one game, gets the start in his debut, plays 44 snaps to Kendrick Bourne's 45, and actually ran a route on 78% of Jimmy Garoppolo's dropbacks. So the production wasn't there, I know, on three targets, I believe, but the on-field usage was there, and that's what we're chasing. Another Josh Norris special, Darnell Moody, actually played over Anthony Miller because uh, Matt Nagy came out on Monday and said he was furious with the way Miller has been playing. Miller had a red zone Ooh. drop. Miller had a red zone drop, and that actually led to Allen Robinson running 27 routes, Darnell Mooney running 21, and then Anthony Miller running 17. And so Anthony Miller now 
I understand it's a wide receiver two with Mitchell Trubisky, and we see how it's going for Allen Robinson, who's a wide receiver one with Trubisky. But Darnell Mooney now is a not only a deep stash pickup, but even a 14-team pickup that at least is getting the usage. And then one more I can close with, because it's deep cuts and we need a lot of players here. Uh, T Higgins is in a good offense and T Higgins is playing with Joe Burrow. Who's lighting it up right now. And the Bengals are now done with John Ross. John Ross had a drop at the fourth quarter in week one, and then had seven snaps to T Higgins, seven snaps in the first quarter in week two. But from that point forward, because I believe Joe Burrow missed him because Ross cut a route short. And remember this team is already done with them. They declined his fifth year option. They don't care anymore. Uh, T Higgins actually played 60 snaps to John Ross's 28 in week two. And that's after in week one, it was Higgins 15, John Ross 57. So it is clear now Higgins is here to stay for the Bengals as their third wide receiver. And we know they're going to be passing the ball a lot. That was a deep cuts to end all deep cuts, John Daigle. I think we might have to retire that segment moving forward. I mean, that was (laughs) absolutely incredible. We could just call it Josh Norris's boys three years later. That's what we should call it. This is the easiest show for me. I barely have to talk. Daigle. All right. Do you have thoughts on Darnell Mooney? Because I know you were actually really high on him coming out of college. I was. Dang right I was. Uh, out of Tulane, he was a fun player on the outside. I mean, he is short and he is light, but he absolutely has vertical ability. He can separate on the outside. You know, I think a lot of people, because of his size, pegged him as a slot receiver. But, you know, if if the Bears are going to run a lot of 12 personnel and two tight end sets, which is, you know, why you draft Cole Komet in the second round, why you you know, pay money to Jimmy Graham. You know, Anthony Miller is not an outside receiver. He's a slot receiver. Plus, if he's in the doghouse, then someone has to play on the outside. If it's Javon Mims, Wims, yes, Javon Wims, or or Darnell Mooney, it makes sense Mm -hmm. because that's just not where Anthony Miller plays the game. All right, John Daigle, sponsored segment time. We're going to go through your three favorite pickups for week three. The Daigle special served by Applebee's. Give us number one. Number one will be Joshua Kelly. The Panthers, the past two weeks, in week one, Josh Jacobs, over 100 yards and multiple touchdowns. Week two, the Bucks come right back and do the same thing. Over 100 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown for both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Joshua Kelly is in that same spot only one week after he got 23 carries because he is the decisive 1B back to Austin Eckler. And so that's why he should be owned. It should be rostered and played everywhere. Number two, favorite pickup ahead of week three, John Daigle. Daryl Henderson only came Ooh. on the field because both Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers were injured in week two. But nonetheless, this is the eighth fastest offense in the league. And Sean McVay has got his swagger back and making sure Jared Goff cannot fail because he's not even giving him time to be pressured. Even if Either Akers or Brown return in week three. Daryl Henderson will still be involved in one of the best offenses in the league. And those are pieces I want to play. All right, let's wrap it up with number three. Jarrett McKinnon is now in a situation, despite having only six carries through the first two weeks to lead this backfield in production. Yes, we think Jeff Wilson will be evolved and the team could even call up practice squad undrafted free agent, Jermichael hasty, but even those players are limited to particular roles. Whereas McKinnon has showed not only with the six targets, but it has six carries as well that he's uber explosive. And in a 
cush matchup this week mm. against the Giants, this is the type of player we want to play. I love that. You just put a bow on the week three waiver wire, and that was all served to you by Applebee's John Daigle. That was perfect. Man, you deserve Ed Williams, if you're listening, maybe a few hours off. This I week, def- a few extra hours off. I deserve half price apps as well. <laughs> okay. Well, don't rest too long because we get more shows later on this week. Yes, I'll be back with Patrick Darty. Denny Carter on our Wednesday evening episode. I'll be back Thursday evening with Daigle, with Hayden Winks, with Pat to preview every single week three matchup. And again, if you missed it, our recap episode game by game of all of Sunday's action, go back and listen to that. Thank you so much for checking this out, for subscribing, for rating and reviewing even. I mean, we really, really, truly appreciate it. And again, Daigle's column is up on the site right now. Get a little more details if you need it. All right. That's going to do it. For John Daigle, for Josh Norris, up the villa starting 1-0 this season, Daigle. Did you know that? Of course I didn't. Got a big W today. I love it. I'm happy for you. They play Thursday in the Carabao Cup. They're going to beat Fulham next Monday as well. Get six points in the first two matches. Ooh, you love to see it. You're the one who wants to keep it to 25 minutes, and now you're going on. All right. Talk to you all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.